What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined today by Nicole Yang, Chris Grenham, and we're going to get into some superlatives. We're going to do kind of a prediction superlatives. But before we get into that, Chris Grenham, you have uh, you have some thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. We are recording this on Friday morning. So last night it was announced that the Celtics were bringing in Ryan Archidiakono, former Villanova guard. And this morning it was announced that Garrison Matthews, former Wizards wing, is also going to be on the training camp roster. So here's my theory. Brad Stevens is just totally screwing with me of late. And by bringing in Garrison Matthews, this is his way to make it up to me a little bit. He trades Chris Dunn, crushes me, brings in Ryan Archidiakono, who was my sworn enemy for four years of college, just like destroyed my hopes and dreams at Madison Square Garden time and time again. And now he's like, all right, I got to make it up to Chris. I'm going to bring in Garrison Matthews, who actually provided some decent shooting for the Wizards and loves to get fouled while shooting threes. And so this is all, it's all about me here. I think that's what it really boils down to. I don't see any other conclusion you could draw. Is he like helping you with Garrison Matthews or is he trolling you by taking uh, the shooting away from the Wizards? He might be trolling me, but I think it was was already set in stone that Garrison Matthews wasn't going to come back. Either way, in all seriousness, Garrison Matthews actually is like a decent shooter. He doesn't really do much else. Like he plays really hard defensively, but he actually is a pretty good shooter and he moves off the ball pretty well. And this roster training camp roster even doesn't have a lot of shooting. So another thing he does well, oddly enough, is he always gets fouled when he shoots threes. Like he kind of like leans forward a little bit when he shoots. So that's something he always seemed to be able to do in Washington, but an interesting grab alongside Archie Diakono. Yeah, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I am yet to see the Celtics bring in somebody who I was like, ooh, I wonder if Jabari should be sweating a little bit. But I do feel like Garrison Matthews, just with the shooting and with the Celtics' lack of shooting, is the first guy where I'm like, maybe. I think Jabari should be sweating. I think Garrison Matthews definitely falls into that category. I think Archie Diakno falls into that category, but it just doesn't make sense for this roster. They have too many guards. If they had more room in the backcourt, then I think it would make a lot of sense for Jabari to be worried about Archie Diakno. I don't think that's the case, but I think between Morgan and Garrison Matthews, I think there is legitimate reason for that to happen because Morgan, Matthews, and Pinson are all two-way eligible. So there's a lot of flexibility there if you bring one of those guys into the 15th slot and then bring one of them into the two-way slot. So I I think there's real reason for Jabari to be sweating. My biggest takeaway from the Celtics series of like potential 15th mans is just how wasteful they were with their two-way spots in the past. Like when you look at the potential of what it could have been and how they opted to use them, it's like, no wonder there were all these depth issues. Like look at all of the, like Grenham just laid out the possibilities there. And that is just so much more promising than nothing against them. Taco fall in Tremont waters. Yeah, so it's, it's really true. The names that are floating out there that are like unsigned currently, and it's like you were brought in, yeah, Taco and Tremont. And I understand wanting to take a look, you know, especially at Taco, just like you never, you never know. Those two players have a very specific role and a very specific situation in which they would do well in the NBA. And that's not what you want for a two-way player that's going to have to like no, plug in point. play and just like be available to come up. Like you want them to be sort of as versatile. Like they're off to a much better start in that regard. Well, the funny thing is they've had guys on two-way roles who are perfect that way, right? Like PJ Dozier would have been like the perfect two-way guy because he can do literally a little bit of everything. Like he was the perfect two-way guy. And then immediately afterward, they, yeah, they go to uh to taco with Trabad. But one way or the other, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Like whoever they bring in this year will probably make a lot more sense for a two-way role. Sam Hauser alone is a, is a guy who makes more, much more sense on a two-way deal than Taco and Tremont did. Yeah, they could have used two-way guys who could actually make an impact in a season like last year where guys were just dropping like flies, COVID 
COVID absences, what have you, like that's the perfect time to have guys you can fill in. This all goes back to the point that I feel like we always bring up with Gary Washburn earlier in the off season or at the end of last year, basically saying like the Celtics don't have these depth guys, even all the way down to the two way pieces that can come in and impact the game. And I wonder if Brad Stevens felt that as a coach. And so he's like, I'm not going to do this to Ime Udoko like Danny Ainge did this to me at the later years of my tenure. All right, guys, well, we'll take a closer look at that in just one second. But before we get into all of our superlatives, Granum, do you want to shout out our friends over at the Shades on Beer Company? Of course, this superlatives episode is basically going to be one big Geno Time draft. So we have to shout out our friends at the Shades on Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout. Plenty of delicious products. So go try them out if you live in the Boston area, if you live in Rhode Island, really anywhere in New England. Keep an eye out for Shades on Beer Company products. If you're in Rhode Island, go check out their beer garden and tasting room, which is down in West Kingston. We highly recommend all of their products. Of course, we're biased to the Geno Time Stout. There's plenty of great stuff out there. So shout out to our friends over at Shades On. Absolutely. All right. So while we're on the topic, let's pick our 15th man. Who do we think is going to be the final person to get a, like a guaranteed deal and be a part of the Celtics roster? I think it should be Garrison Matthews. I don't really think Jabari Parker has all that much value on this roster right now. And on a roster that is severely lacking in shooting, I do think Garrison Matthews is the best option to bring that. And I know Jabari has more size than Matthews, but after watching Matthews a lot, jokes aside, after watching him a lot last year with the Wizards, I do think he can bring a little bit to the end of this roster. And I think it would be a valued guy at the end of the roster, more so than Jabari Parker. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Garrison Matthews. That was also going to be my answer. And I know, Tom, I agree with you when you said like, oh, there's been no guy where you're like, huh, like that's impressive. But like also just given where we are in the season, I feel like that was sort of impossible unless it were like a trade. So given who's available, Garrison Matthews was the guy where I was like, oh, like he actually could probably make the team here. I think it's between him and Jabari. I just think Jabari's non-guaranteed deal makes him too easy to part ways with. I don't think he showed enough last year where you're like, we need this guy moving forward. I think he exceeded expectations, but the expectations were also so low at the point that he joined the team. Garrison Matthews is younger. Yeah, Jabari has a, like three inches on him, I think, but he still has size. Like he's six five, and he can shoot and he's a wing. Like Grenham has harped on the lack of shooting on this roster. And last year he shot 38% and the year before he shot 41.3%. Only on like three attempts per game. But I just think that there's a very like plausible role for him. Like it's not going to be difficult to find minutes. Yeah, super high free throw percentages too. You feel good about that numbers wise. You know, to your point about Jabari, he exceeded expectations last year and obviously like expectations were very low. I also think that it's not like he exceeded them in a way that was like, he is now indispensable. It just, he he exceeded them. Like it was like, okay, the Celtics really needed anything from that position. And he came in and gave them a little bit. And so the Celtics were just like, oh, thank you. Thank you. We needed that so bad. Like we just needed that tiny little bit. It's like, well, can Garrison, like, yes, I think the Celtics probably need need a little bit more size than they have. You know, I think they are going to struggle to deal with some of like, you know, your bigger forwards, your big wings, that kind of thing. Everybody struggles with LeBron, but also like, I just kind of feel like the Celtics aren't going to really have anything for, you know, your LeBrons of the world. Jabari Parker. Yeah. He's a little bit bigger, but it's not like Jabari Parker has something for LeBron, you know, at least not on a consistent basis. So if you, if you don't have that anyway, I, I'm with you guys. I, you know, I know it's kind of boring for us all to pick the same guy, but I mean, I think Garrison Matthews makes a lot of sense, you know, as just that knockdown shooter who actually provides you with uh, some some real on-court value. You know, the Celtics, as they learned last year, you, you need that. Also, real quick, 
Now that the Celtics are 21 people, essentially on the reported training camp roster, can't the Celtics, when they're in camp, kind of time the signings to a way where they could really see 21 guys in camp, but they can wave guys and bring in other guys in the middle of camp? That way they can have guys early on, they wave them, retain their G League rights, and still see all 21 guys. That's possible, right? I believe so, yeah. I think they've done that in the past. All right, so let's get into the rest of our superlatives here. And I mean, I think we'll start, let's start with an easy one. Who's going to be the Celtics? team MVP. Yeah, unfortunately, I think we're all going to have the same answer again, and it's going to be Jason Tatum. I'm tempted to, uh, no, nah, it's it's got to be Tatum. Uh, I, wanted, <laughs> I, wanted to be, I wanted to be, I wanted to be like, well, the you know, the I was going to say Al Horford. He would like, be the other option, I think. I think you could make a strong case for that answer in 2018-19, like, but I just think now it's a little too late, and we are a little too unsure that it's, yeah. And Tatum's a little too good, right? Yeah. Like he's just he's that good at this point that it's like, well, what are you, why are you screwing around here? So I think the case for Al Horford. Is kind of interesting just because if he's if he's really good it changes some things right like if he is as good as honestly if he's as good as the guy who made the Oklahoma City Thunder a little too good last year like that makes a big difference for the Celtics but Jason Tatum's Jason Tatum so and if he gets hurt the season just instantly takes a nosedive and there's just no interest from a national perspective either like he is the one that draws all the attention that has that appeal he's by far like the most valuable player to this franchise and to this team right now if anybody else is a Celtics MVP this season something went catastrophically wrong yes. for the Boston Celtics <laughs> yeah it is really bad they are they probably don't make the playoffs if anyone yeah, outside of Tatum is the MVP it's really really bad like they go as far as he takes them I do think there's something to be said about Horford, though, as one of the most important guys on this roster, because if he can play to the higher end of his potential value, it does a lot for this offense that we need more firepower on that offense right now. If people like us looking and trying to evaluate this roster, it always comes back to the lack of offensive depth. He changes that if he plays to the higher end of his value. Most improved player. Who do you guys have? I put Aaron Neesmith just because I think last year he showed really good progress by the end of the season. But if you remember for like the first half, maybe even first three quarters, he was like running like a chicken with his head cut off and just like really couldn't get his shot to fall on defense. He would try like Brad instilled in him, like you must die on the basketball court in order to earn minutes. And he showed that. So like the effort was there and like the doggedness was there but like the actual like basketball skills and like production was not yet there and I think he's really putting it together now and I think summer league was promising and I think he'll have the opportunity to show his improvements because of their lack of depth on the wing I think there will be a real opportunity for him and I think he's ready he had a real off season all that stuff to like step up Aaron Neesmith is one of the funnier Celtics from last season just because every time he stepped on the floor he really was just screaming like it is a good day to die was just like diving after loose balls and then at one point somebody asked him like wow you know you like you must be like so tough that you're always diving after that, those balls and it doesn't hurt and he's just like oh no it hurts <laughs> yeah no it's, it hurts pretty bad I, i'm in a lot of pain <laughs> <laughs> there were funny moments last season where the other team would get a steal and break out on a fast break and you would just see Neesmith in the corner of your screen and you'd be like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> just go flying past the backboard. <laughs> 
He plays hard. Uh, he does. I hope, I hope he's able to chill out a little this year. I hope so, too. They don't, I need, him, they don't need him to break himself. They just need him to, to play hard. They definitely but, need him to stay healthy. I think that's a good pick. I think he is going to be a little more comfortable, and the game is hopefully going to slow down for him a tiny bit, you know, <laughs> hopefully for his health as well. But I do think that's a really good pick. I'm going to go that's with... Perfect. Aaron Neesmith is the only player. The game didn't slow down for him, but he just kept up with the game anyway, so he had to kind of figure it out. Just had to adjust along the way, and he did not adjust. <laughs> With my uh, improved pick, I'm going to go with Josh Richardson. And this is looking at a more rosy approach, I would say. It's definitely the best possible outcome for the Celtics. But I'm going to say Josh Richardson is that most improved. He's had kind of a rough two-year period. He was in a really weird situation in Philadelphia where it just did not go well. And they needed him to be more offensively or a different offensive player than what he once was. And that is not a great sign going into this year with the Celtics because the Celtics are probably hoping for him to be more of a shooter than he's shown in the last couple of years. I do think there's a possibility that he can have a little bit of an uptick there. That Philly roster had zero shooting. It's nice where they can kind of bank on guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum a little bit. In Dallas, horrific defensive team, really good offensive team, but he was kind of in a weird in-between role where they expected him to be, again, a little bit more than I think he, or a little bit different than he is as a player. I think he fits into this roster kind of nicely. He's a nice backcourt partner next to Marcus Smart to work as that kind of defensive pack there. And I think he's not going to have as big of a role offensively to a point where he's going to be like stretching beyond his reach. I'm going to take the positive approach here with he's the most improved guy because if that is the case the Celtics are in really really good shape yeah I'm going to take a a similar guy where if he's if he's the most improved the Celtics are in great shape I'm going to go with Peyton Pritchard we saw really good stuff from him in summer league I think that his ability and his continued confidence like spacing the floor farther and farther out is going to make a huge difference and just he was pretty good as a rookie last season like he adjusted right away and you know I think sometimes it's tempting when you see that a guy was a little bit more NBA ready to be like oh well he's as good as he's going to get and I think you know Jason Tatum has proven that that's not true like I think guys often if a rookie is really good even if he's a little older even if he's a little bit more experienced a lot of times that rookie has a lot of you know kind of growth ahead of him anyway I don't think Pritchard has like all-star ceiling or anything like that but I do think that there is plenty of room for him to to grow plenty of room for him to get better uh let's get into sixth man of the year and I think this one's kind of interesting who do you guys think is going to end up being the Celtics sixth man generally because obviously it switches sometimes but just kind of overall who do you think is going to be the first person off the bench I picked Dennis Schroeder Given what we project as the Celtics starting lineup, I think he's the guy that will, I could see him still finishing in like the top five in terms of minutes. And I just think he's motivated clearly by everything that happened in terms of his contract. Like sometimes you have a guy on a contract year, but his role within the team doesn't really like allow him to shine and to really like play out. But I think that this will work out for both parties. I picked Truder as well. I think it makes the most sense. I mean, that's a luxurious spot for the Celtics to have him as the first guy coming off the bench. I mean, the other argument here could be made for one of the bigs if they choose to go a little smaller with their starting lineup. And so you have either Rob Williams or Al Horford coming off the bench. But I think Schroeder is is the no-brainer here. I think it puts the Celtics depth chart in a really good spot if he's running that second unit. If if we all picked people who are not Schroeder as the Celtics' most improved player, then it's like, wow, that's pretty good if like their sixth man is the guy who's better than the guys that we all picked as their most improved. So definitely a good spot. I also had Dennis Schroeder as the six man. Let's move on to the all uh, Celtics all defense team. So just the best lineup of defenders. I think we all probably agree on three of them. Uh, I'm guessing we all agree on Smart, Jalen, and Tatum. 
that's a good thing for the Celtics. I think the three of the no questions asked guys on the all defense team are their three best players. Like, I think that's a good thing because I'm not sure what it says about their, their defensive depth. You know, I'm not entirely sure how to balance that, but one way or the other, who do you guys have as the other two players on the Celtics all defense team? I had Rob and Josh Richardson. Rob is in a position where this team has some really good perimeter defenders and they've got some good length and good speed on the perimeter. And I think it's going to put him in a better position to kind of be that rim protector, but also not play cleanup duty. Like we've talked about in the past, where a lot of times he's been on that cleanup duty as the last line of defense, which sure he still will be at times, but I think this roster is going to allow him to kind of fill out his defensive potential a little bit more than he maybe was able to on last year's roster. So again, this is a best case scenario if Rob is that guy, but I think him and Josh Richardson are the other two. Yeah, I had Josh and then I was kind of a coward and just put like one of the bigs, like it'll be either one that actually lives up to its potential because I feel like there are questions surrounding both. Like we don't know how much of Al is still left. Like, I don't think he's washed per se, but like, you don't know really what version of him we're going to get. And then with Rob, I think if I had to choose between the two, I would pick Rob just because of how much promise he showed. And I think, I mean, I guess maybe the joint answer does work because I do think bringing Al back benefits Rob a lot in terms of just learning from him. When Al was here, the two of them, I think, developed a really good relationship. And Rob has always talked about how much Al and Aaron Baines influenced him positively. So I think there's reason why both of them could be, but obviously Rob also has to stay healthy. I guess that's true for Al too. So it'll be one of the two bigs. Well, Nicole, you almost talked me into being a coward, but I, I did choose and I went with Al Horford. I also had Josh Richardson. I went with Horford just because when you talk about like this Celtics defensive crew, like keeping guys in front of them is, is really you know important and they're going to be able to do that a lot better. And I do think that there is a case to be made that then Rob Williams on cleanup duty would be helpful. But I also think Horford is also very you know, talented at keeping guys in front of him. And it's like, well, if you just have an entire, an entire unit of guys who are going to keep themselves between the ball and the basket, that's quite good. So I'll, I'll go with Horford, but I certainly could see the case uh, for Rob or, you know, potentially for Rob and Horford and, you know, taking Richardson off if, if everybody, you know, plays well, I don't think that's out of the question either. Kind of similar question, but like basically the all NBA team of the Celtics. So the all Celtics team, who do we think the best five players are going to be? Once again, I think we can pretty safely say smart Jalen and Tatum. Who do we have as the other two? I like putting the bigs in there because I think there's a lot of potential for them to make a pretty big difference. So for me, it was between the two bigs or one of the bigs and Dennis Schroeder. For the time being, actually, no, I'm going to go one of the bigs and Schroeder because if Schroeder isn't, I think right now he's their third best scoring option. So I think it's inevitable that he's going to be in that top five group. And I think that's a good thing if that's the case, whether he's coming off the bench, occasionally starting, whatever it might be. I think it's important for him to be in that top five best player group for this team to find success. We've talked about how how many questions there are about the offense and how few questions we have about the defense. If Dennis Schroeder addresses those questions with the offense, like his contributions will be like felt more, if that makes sense, and like yeah. be in the spotlight more. And I feel like that's how sometimes all NBA voting works. So like you'll really be able to see like what Dennis Schroeder is doing for this offense. Whereas if everyone just plays good defense across the board, that doesn't necessarily merit all NBA per se. Yeah, I think the super rosy version of of the next two seasons for the Celtics in that regard is Schroeder plays really well this season. And then the Celtics can afford to let him walk because Peyton Pritchard has, you know, kind of moved into that role as, you know, a a top scoring guard off the bench. That'll be interesting to see. I also have Schroeder in there. I I went with Rob 
for the other one. I mean, you know, I know I picked Horford for the all defense team, but I do think that Rob's offense is going to be really useful and really important on this team. I mean, I'll go with him there. And I do think that his defense is going to be solid this year. I did, I thought it was interesting on the, uh, the low post pod, Zach called Rob, like one of the most pivotal players, like over the next few years um, in the NBA. I, I think if I'm recalling his phrasing exactly right, but the larger point is if he's really good for the Celtics, that is genuinely a game changer. Um, I think for this franchise and it's not out of the question. He's just got to stay healthy, man. If that durability gets a little bit better, it's like you said, a total game changer for the Celtics. He's just got to be able to play more games. He's got to be able to stay healthy. And that's the most important thing. And I hope he does because when he is healthy, he's a ton of fun to watch and he does really open up a world of possibilities for this roster. So so last basketball related question that also kind of helps us transition into our uh, into our more yearbooky superlatives, but the uh, most likely to succeed. And by this, we kind of mean not necessarily like the, who's going to be the best player on the roster, who's going to be the MVP, you know, within the role that the Celtics have for this player, who is most likely to achieve all their goals, who is most likely to be successful from that perspective. So who do you think is going to kind of help the Celtics the most in their role this season? I had Dennis Schroeder again. If he's okay coming off the bench, I really think it's a good setup for both parties here. Like he can take all the, well, I guess not take all the shots. He can take all the drives to the rim in that second unit. Like he can direct the offense. He can facilitate. He can really just like step up basically as lead point guard or whatever. I don't know. I just think it'll be a really good opportunity for him. So I agree from a basketball perspective. The thing (laughs) is for me that I think Schroeder would see a successful season as one where he went out and earned you know, a multi-year contract that pays him, you know, like 15 million a year. I just don't think he's going to get that after the season. I think that it's kind of hard to earn your way back up again. You know, maybe, maybe he can do it. I don't think that's out of the question, but I do think that like, you know, in terms of most likely to succeed, if that's part of his version of succeeding, I have a hard time seeing it. That's fair. I don't know if he'll ever get up to 80 million anymore, but I think he could play himself into like a better contract. Like there are teams that give out foolish deals if he does play well and if everything does work out, I could still see him getting paid. Yeah, I'm just really curious as to how he feels about potentially running that bench unit and not being a starter on a team where he is the third best scoring option right now entering camp. Is he going to be like, why is Marcus Smart the starter here? What is going on? Is he, I don't know how he's going to feel in that role. You know what I mean? And who knows? Maybe Ime Odoka will make everything that we've said about Dennis Schroeder irrelevant because he's in the starting lineup. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Alongside maybe. Smart, or I don't think in place of Smart, but maybe he will start Dennis Schroeder and he won't be the sixth man and all of our answers sort of change here. I don't think, I think that's not out of the question at all. Like, I think it's very plausible that we're just kind of, I I think the biggest thing, the biggest reason why I think that Schroeder is going to be coming off the bench is because is how much Ime Udoka has talked about defense. And I think that Richardson is just a better defender, but it's not, I mean, look, like usually teams start their best players. So like if, if Schroeder's like, you know, the fourth best player, yeah, like it probably makes the most sense to assume he'll start. I don't think it's out of the question that Schroeder could potentially pop in there, but I agree. I think he'll be that sixth man coming off the bench. And I think if he's willing to embrace that role, then I think he could definitely be the most likely to succeed. I actually went with Marcus Smart because I think that now he can be locked into that starting role. Something he's talked about in the past as a thing that's important to him a little bit. I think he can fit into a defensive centric lineup pretty well. I think he can act as that distributor and facilitator, which he's done successfully in the past. If he can just lock into that role rather than being the versatile utility guy that he's been on so many of these past rosters, I think he has the ability to kind of 
fill a role that he hasn't in the past, a more solidified role, I should say. And I think that gives him the chance to really succeed and kind of find a place in the lineup. Yeah, I really like that answer. I think I think that's going to be a fun subplot of the season. Like he's he's always wanted this. Like he's always wanted to be like a like the the lead ball handler. Now he's got a real chance to do it. It feels like I mean we've seen him do it in previous years. I think he's really going to embrace that role and be uh, and be good at it. Um, and then for mine, I, I did go with Rob Williams. All, all it requires is him to stay healthy, and that's a tall order so far. But I, I do think that, yeah, if he's healthy, I, I think he's going to be a really, really good player. So I'll just uh, – I hope Rob stays healthy. I hope he stays on the floor. He's fun to watch. So I'll, I'll be optimistic with mine and go with Rob Williams as most likely to succeed. Next up we have uh, – who do we think is going to be the best quote on this year's roster? I feel like this one's an easy one too. <laughs> Rob Williams? Yeah, it's obviously Rob Williams. Like, no, that hasn't changed enough. Until Rob Williams is not on the roster anymore, I guess – the counter argument is that Rob is best when he's one-on-one. I think he just swears more one-on-one, but I think his quotes are can be That's just true. in a group setting. He says shit more than any human being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> it's incredible. What about uh, Josh Richardson and Schroeder? Are they good quotes? I don't have any experience with those guys. I don't, I don't know. Either. Yeah, I really yeah, have nothing yeah. with them. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be Rob unless Terry Rozier comes back. Terry uh, is have, like, we've been talking about Brad Stevens just, uh, you know, fixing Danny Ainge's mistakes. Letting Terry Rozier go was one of Danny Ainge's mistakes. That being said, though, Tom, do you want to share your theory about the Celtics and their approach to media this year? Yeah, sure. So I, we were texting the other day and I, I was saying, I mean, obviously, Nicole, um, as the uh, one of the Globe's Patriots reporters, deals with the Patriots all the time. I, I do wonder if the Celtics are going to be a little bit more Patriots-esque, a little bit more Belichickian in their answers this season, just because we know like Brad Stevens does not give electric quotes. And I, I think it's too bad because I do think Brad is actually pretty funny, like in a very dry way. Like whenever he, whenever he does make a quip, it's usually a pretty solid one. But I do think that like Belichick, I think influences the way that Brad Stevens looks at some things. And I think Brad does kind of admire Belichick's like, like, okay, don't, you know, don't make waves in the media. Like that's not what you're supposed to be doing out there. You know, you're supposed to be trying to win basketball games. And I, you know, I wonder, Ime Udoka, obviously, you know, coached under uh, Greg Popovich for years. So, I mean, you know, I do wonder, like, yeah, is it going to be kind of top down on the Celtics this year? You know, do the Celtics, I, I think some of the quotes that we've seen from the Celtics before the season suggest that they aren't super happy with, like, media coverage over the last couple of years. I mean, I do wonder if, you know, best quote, that might be a, a low bar to clear this season, unfortunately. I wonder, I, I at least I, I could see that being the case. Most definitely, especially because Brad and Bill do have a relationship. Brad has looked to Bill, talked to Bill, and Bill has spoken to the Celtics before. And I think he already, as a head coach, had exhibited a couple qualities that were similar in terms of approach to the media. Like Brad never gave real injury updates. Yeah. Brad always focused on the next game. He never looked too far ahead. Brad always praised the hell out of the opponents, even if they weren't worthy of praise. He never, like, never would give out his starting lineup. Which is Friend so, of the like, program, Jim Packard, calls that Coy Brad, right? <laughs> yeah, Coy Brad, yeah. Yeah. Like there were already examples there of how Brad had sort of adopted similar approaches. Danny, on the other hand, loved to sling it with the media, loved to talk to the media, loved to make jokes at others' expense, all in good fun, all very playful. But I just think I could see Brad cracking down. Brad never liked to make it about himself, just like Bill never liked to make it about himself. He never liked to pump up the Celtics, just like Bill doesn't like to pump up the Patriots. And privately, he'll obviously give whatever positive reinforcement that the players deserve. Just publicly and in those 
press conferences, I feel like they're both very guarded and like intentional with what they say and what they don't say. So I could totally see Brad cracking down. I could see him trying to control just how the media, what role the media plays, because Brad doesn't want that to become a distraction. Brad doesn't want them thinking about what the media is saying about them, you know? So I could see him just sort of trying to eliminate us as a factor, basically. 100%. Ime Udoka fits that movement very well because he, being raised in the Popovich system, is very similar to Brad, doesn't give up much at all. That plays very well with Brad Stevens and maybe this potential angle. So I also don't think it's a bad idea from a team perspective either. It's worked well for the Patriots for a long time. So I don't think it would be a bad move at all, even though it wouldn't benefit us. Fans have a lot of fun with teams that are very open. I do think fans enjoy those types of teams. But you know what else fans enjoy? Teams that win a lot. If this ends up being, you know, something that helps the Celtics win, it helps them, you know, come together. It helps them be resilient against you know, media attention that isn't positive, media attention that isn't super complimentary. Sure. I mean, it makes sense. Well, and I'll just say, because the answer was so obvious for best quote, it's not like there's a bunch of candidates in that regard anyway. So it should be pretty easy for Brad to like implement whatever he's hoping to in terms of those policies, because it's really just Rob that he has to corral. And I really do not think that Rob is going to be like defying Brad to give us great quotes. It's not, he's not like, (laughs) you know, like Rob is funny because he's very genuine. He's very much himself all the time. And I think if the Celtics are like, Hey Rob, don't, you know, say X, Y, or Z, Rob will just kind of be like, oh, okay. And then like kind of move on, which tough hit for us, but uh, probably, probably for the best. So last couple here, we'll do, we'll, we'll do these pretty quickly. I'm uh, most likely to become internet famous. I think Romeo. Yeah. It's, I, I also think it's Romeo. Romeo deserves it. Like part of going, becoming internet famous is you have to have like a certain cult following, I feel like. And Romeo does. Just look at Romeo's TikTok and you will <laughs> understand why he's the answer here. He's he, he he's one of the few reasons I might actually consider going on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> and then the last one we'll do here is uh, the famous yearbook, uh, Best Dressed. I think Tatum is a pretty good bet. I think he's got some good fits that also get pretty good respect around the league. I think he's always noted as one of the better dressed dudes, certainly not Ennis Cantor. I do appreciate that Tatum is, you know, very much, you can tell he's very much like in on like, you know, like styles and like things that are kind of like hyped up and all that. But he also, he's not Kyle Kuzma where it's just like any, you know, hype beast thing, just like throw it on him. And, you know, like he's not, he's not like that. Some players maybe miss a little bit. I think with Kemba gone, there's actually an opening here because obviously it was Kemba the past, however many, two seasons. I like Tatum. That's who I had written down. Yeah, so I have it as Jalen because I I like Jalen's style a little bit more. The looks that he hits, I think, are are certainly if I had you know millions of dollars, I would probably be dressing a little bit more like Jalen than uh, than Tatum. I will say that Romeo, like I would probably dress like Romeo if I had a lot of money, where it's just like a lot of like Palm Angels stuff and that kind of thing, like like a little bit more like casual, like you know, very expensive sort of like quote unquote skate brand stuff. Like that's a hundred percent what I would be wearing if I had tons of money. I also like Dennis Struder's fits too. He's got kind of a Euro feel to some of his. He's always got a beanie with like a longer coat and a hoodie kind of look. I'm a big fan of that look. He would be up there for me too. Maybe Dennis Struder will be the, uh, he'll just clean up in the Celtics, Geno time Celtics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be a terrible season and Dennis Struder is going to be the MVP. And then he'll literally <laughs> hit every single one of the superlatives. In all seriousness, uh, I think we can probably leave it there. Thank you, as always, to everybody for listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate everybody who's left us a rating or a review. Those really help. As always, you guys know where to find us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, and we will talk to you all again next week.